Welcome to Flicks, my name's Daniel Swan, this is episode 63, in which I watch and review both versions of Ghost in the Shell, the 1995 animated version, the 2017 live-action version in both spoiler-free and spoiler-filled detail. Am I going to be touching on institutionalised racism in this? You bet your ass I am. podcast on your own and Tiffany B is not doing it with you? Are you guys divorced or something? No, of course not. We're not due to be divorced for a few years yet. Um, This was based on the fact that, well, so this whole uh, anime kind of trilogy, I suppose, of flicks based around um in seattle the most epic movie going experience at uh, seattle's cinerama um which is a fantastic cinema and if you're ever in the seattle area um you know it's well worth a visit um they put on an anime festival i think i probably mentioned this before they put on an anime festival um with lots and lots of various different uh films and as somebody who had never watched anime before um i thought i should dive in and and uh have a watch or something it'd be a good opportunity it'd be a good it'd be seeing them in the best way possible which possibly wasn't true in hindsight but still it's it's what I, it's the decision i made at the time i'd never seen any miyazaki films um and he's you know everyone's always banging on about him so i thought we should see one of them which is why we saw spirited away akira is um often lauded or at least used to be um as you know one of the pinnacles uh, of anime so we went to see that um but of course, they were, they were, all of these films were only being shown once, sometimes twice in this festival. It only lasted about a week. Um, I really want to see Ghost in the Shell as well because of seeing the... I'd seen the Scarlet Joe um, film a couple of weeks prior and thought, okay, so this would be a nice thing to be able to compare and contrast and see what they took from it and what they changed. And um, I always think that's quite interesting. Um, unfortunately, the Ghost in the Shell screening the only one that we were able to go to, um, started at 10.30 at night, and that is uh, past Tiffany B's bedtime, I'm afraid. Um, so she uh, opted out of it, and was very pleased to have opted out of it. Um, so I trundled along uh, at 10.30 in the evening and uh, gave that a watch, uh, and was able to contrast it, as I say, to uh, the 2017 version. So this podcast is going to be about both. It's going to be about the Scarlett Johansson version and the uh, anime version. Seeing where they differ, seeing where they're the same, and ultimately, which is best? You know, going getting into the the you know the the simplest question of all: which one did I prefer? 
Um, so I'm going to do it in the usual way um, in terms of um, spoiler-free and spoiler-filled. Um, spoiler-free with the producer's pitch. I'm not going to say which one was best at that point because I think it requires delving in a little bit deeper. Um, but yeah, if you've seen them both, uh, please stick around for the uh, spoiler section. Uh, and we'll go through that and we'll go through the five-point um, rating system for both films. Um, and we'll come to some, let's come to some fucking conclusions, shall we? Let's conclude something, yeah? Um, so, I'm going to start off with the with the original, with the OG 1995 uh, anime version, itself adapted from the manga of same name, um, by the same guy, is that this one, or is that the, uh, that might be Akira, I can't remember which one it was, um... Yeah, yeah, Akira was the same one. So this was by, uh, directed by Mamoru Oshii um, with a screenplay by Kazunori Ito. Um, and it was based on the, the anime by Masamune Shiro. Um, so yeah, this is a, a kind of an anime film. It's a cartoon, uh, in essence, uh, about uh, a cyborg. This is set in the future, set in future... Yeah, Newport City in Japan. Um, so not Tokyo, but um, possibly a, a future version of Tokyo, um, whereby cybernetic enhancements are possible. So you can, you know, if you, if you've, I don't know, suppose if you can't throw well, listen up, ladies, uh, you can just buy a robotic arm that will be able to throw fantastically. If, you're, if you've got bad eyesight, you can buy robot eyes and blah, 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 blah. So people are at kind of various stages of... Um, full roboticization um, and there's a, a, a kind of a team a kind of government team called uh, section nine um, who are kind of you know your, your, your standard government I don't know the black ops wet works team um, that go in and, and shoot things and you know deal with issues kind of like a slightly fancier police um, and they're led by uh, a cyborg uh, a cyborg called major uh, Motoko Kusanagi um, and she but then they, they kind of run into this this bad guy uh, they later find out it's called the Puppet Master um, and they have to try and tackle him and it's a, it's a very simple plot really in its essence in terms of the mechanics of this then this then this it's a very simple plot um, and in terms of the, the producer's pitch for this, what did I put for this? I put, this is like Humans, which is a TV show, which I think was originally a French TV show and then moved on to, to Channel 4, but I think it's available on Amazon Instant Video, Amazon Prime, um, which is about a future where um, robots or synths um, are able to be purchased as kind of, you know, maids or, or servants, and then they also use them, of course, as soon as any kind of technology is involved. Um, it's like, right, what what sexual application does this technology present? Um, uh, and so, they're, yeah, they're all various different roles in society. Um, but because it's a, a TV show, obviously it's not hugely uh, action-packed. There is some action in it, but it's uh, a lot more talky, which Ghost in the Shell is... is a pretty talky film. Um, I said it's humans meets the Matrix. Now, saying it meets the Matrix is possibly a little bit lazy because the Matrix and the Wachowskis are, uh, are 
is one of the films now, some of the filmmakers that have been most influenced by Ghost in the Shell. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of visual style and, and the type of story that it tells in terms of, you know, if you're a robot, what makes you a robot? Are you a human? What makes a human, etc., etc. They're kind of fairly well-worn um, territory at this point. But Ghost in the Shell is one of the first films to, to really um, explore that, and it does it kind of at length that's really the, the main the main thrust of the story um and whilst the the matrix doesn't necessarily take too much from that i suppose um it does take quite a lot in terms of um the action is you know just has that same kind of obviously the matrix action is very influenced by hong kong cinema and uh, japanese cinema eastern cinema um yeah and so it's kind of it's kind of like the matrix meets meets humans i think that's that's fair enough i suppose um and it is a it's weird. It, I mean, this is something that I'll go into further in the, the spoiler section. But it's it's a film that definitely that seems to have kind of two two speeds to it. It has the action speed, which is fantastic, and then it has the kind of expositional, kind of philosophical dialogue speed, and it kind of just jumps between the two of them very very quickly. Um, so there are points where it's super action packed and points and then immediately it will just go to let's talk for a long time about what it means to be a human, um, which is fine. But it did. I don't know, especially for me. And this is what I was alluding to earlier when I said I don't know whether it was necessarily the right form to see it in, um, because obviously I'm reading all of this. Um, so I don't know whether the English dub watching a, it, the English dubbed version of it would be easier, but there's a lot of talking, a lot of dialogue, a lot of very still scenes in this film, which when you're having to read it all very, very quickly, I don't know, I, I, at, at times I find it quite difficult to to follow. But, um, yeah, the action is really, really nicely done, uh, and the, the, the questions that it poses are, are, are pretty interesting. Um, so I think it's it's fine as a film. It's it's Yeah, okay, it's fine. If this is your kind of thing, then you'll enjoy it. I mean, to be honest, it's came out fucking 22 years ago if this is your kind of thing you've seen it already um but yeah if this is your general oeuvre um i think you'd enjoy it but i could very much understand why somebody wouldn't enjoy it as well um so that's that's all i'll say about that in in terms of the the spoiler free section now the scarlett hansen film slightly different obviously it's it's going to be tailored a lot more for for a, um, a western audience more hollywood audience i said this one was like robocop meets total recall the robocop again it's a slightly more action-packed rather than humans slightly more action-packed way of discussing these kind of themes about you know is murphy still murphy even though he's in the you know cybernetic body what makes him what you know how much of murphy is still there if it's his brain but it's a different body etc uh, robocop meets total recall total recall obviously deals a lot with uh, implanted memories and there's kind of yeah elements of that in this as well so how how can you trust your memories if blah 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 if the memories aren't real then do the feelings that you ascribe to those memories still count are they still as powerful or as potent are they still as valid i suppose um so yeah it, it's similar obviously it's an adaptation of the same fucking film so it's going to be fairly similar but slightly more action-packed and, and the story is more catered i think to a western audience um but yeah, and it's got some some really nice kind of visuals in it. Both films do actually. Both films are, are very kind of atmospheric in terms of the the worlds that they create. Um, so yeah, I, I think in the same way that the 
I feel like the V for Vendetta film takes the comic book, which is quite kind of dense and quite uh, thinky. There's a lot going on in there, and there's some you know action, but not as much. And the film, I think, does a good job. I really like the film. I watched it, well, watched part of it again the other day. It kind of just takes something that's quite possibly quite difficult to digest and and just simplifies it a little bit. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I always think, a, you know, a, an idea that can be expressed simply is, you know, in many ways a lot more worthwhile than, than something that has to be explained in very minute detail. So, um, yeah, both good films, both enjoyable films. Um, yeah. And, I yeah, I would be in, interested in hearing from people who had seen both because um, I have my... I have my thoughts on it, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd be very interested in, in hearing what you have to say about it. Um, so that's the end of the spoiler-free um, review. Um, yeah, so if you haven't seen the films, just go away. Just fuck off, please. This is the part where you leave um, and you watch the films. Um, and if you have seen the films, then let's just dive straight in uh, after the spoiler jingle. Uh, and let's just, let's just start dissecting these buddy films, shall we? Let's do it. We're just about to spoil this film So I'm telling you it won't be groovy If you listen any further Without watching the movie It's spoilers! Here we go, right, so Again, I think starting with the 95 version um, In terms of pluses and negatives Um I'll start with the negative, uh, and it's something that I've that I've mentioned already. The pacing is really weird to me. That the idea that it, you know, obviously it's it's something that that any kind of action film has to to deal with, because you can't just have action for an hour and a half. Um, be, you know, people get bored with it, people get battered and bruised with it. Um, so obviously, there's got to be kind of lulls in between the action. Um, but I feel like other films do it a lot better, where it's you know either there's a more kind of natural transition between them or just that it's not, I don't know. There are films out there where there's a huge amount of talking, huge amount to kind of get your head around. Um, and you don't necessarily expect those films to have these kind of action set pieces in them. It's it's like two films. It's like there's an action film and there's a kind of a philosophical talkie film and they've just kind of been mashed together as opposed to, you know, being formed into a single film. So the pacing I did, I did have um, some issues with it. it. Yeah, it kind of lurched between the two. I think, even though the, you know, the the action was good and the the philosophy side of things was was pretty good as well. Um, but yeah, just to, they didn't dovetail together nicely enough um, for me. So that that was a down. Um, as a plus, as I say, with the action, um, what goes hand in hand with that, and what has been the 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 biggest plus point I can have for um, for anime in general, um, obviously coming from a you know a Western sensibility when it comes to, to cartoons, um, the animation is so much better. The animation is is so much more fluid. Um, sometimes just in the um, action scenes, you, you can tell where they've kind of cut corners out. You know when it's just two people talking, but in those action scenes, it's just animated in a way that you don't really see in Western. Um, animated cinema uh, which is really really exciting um, to, to see kind of hair move in the right way and kind of characters move in the right way and 
different planes of movement going on and all of this kind of stuff. It really, um, yeah, really, really impressive. And bear in mind, this is this is ninety five when you know Western cinema, I suppose was kind of moving away from this a little bit because obviously 95 is the same year that Toy Story comes out and everyone's like, oh shit, we can just do this with computers. We don't have to worry about doing it so much with, you know, with drawing things. And so for this to be, you know, a, a great show of saying, well, no, there's still value in this. There's still, you know, things that you can do. There's still, there's still a, a different joy, I think. There's a craft that it's possibly more of a craft that you see in traditional two-dimensional animation that you don't get in in 3d animation 3d animation is obviously very very impressive and you can't take anything away from that you know the way that pixar does their work is is breathtaking uh, in a lot of instances but to to see something in 2d where you know it's not real there's something in your brain that prevents you from kind of going too far and there's a glass ceiling to it right? you know that this is not real but even with that understanding, to be able to see what's going on. I don't know, I just thought it was, um, yeah, amazing. Not just with this, but with Akira and with um, uh, Spirited Away as well. Um, obviously with varying degrees of success. Uh, but the animation was fantastic. Um, speaking of its age as well, let's dovetail nicely into that one. Um, there is an element of computer-generated stuff going on in this. And there's something about it. I don't know what it is because it's, you know, it, it, you have this technological future. There's, there's something incredible, I think, about watching, and as much as this, you know, the 90s shouldn't be classed as period, but like there's something about watching old versions of the future that just, I don't know, it's also kind of Blake Seven and Doctor Who-ish where, or, you know, Barbarella or all of these kind of older science fiction films and science fiction TV shows where it really just show they tr they're trying to be, oh, this is our vision of the future. But um, it really just shows where where you are at that moment, where the world is at that point that that is made, that what we're looking to the future, what that can what that looks like to people at that time. So something that that's made in the seventies that's looking forward to the future, it almost looks more seventies than the French Connection or something that's just set in modern day. And same with the eighties, and same with the nineties. And so this kind of brings in this very early computer generated stuff. I don't know why it's so much worse than you know, because obviously, like I say, you've got Toy Story here, which is doing whole films that are entire. You know, the, the animation looks maybe a little bit. I mean. The graphics look maybe a little bit wonky these days, but the animation's perfectly there. But with this, you get these kind of green, it looks like a Game Boy, these kind of green grid things, and it's just the worst technology. But there's something so, I don't know, I hate to use the word retro, but it feels so retro and so kind of uh, cute that it just, I don't know, it, it brought joy to my heart every time I, they looked at one of their screens and it was this kind of frogger thing jumping across the thing. <laughs> oh my God, we've got to chase the thing. Well, but if the frog goes over there, then it's, you know, it's not going to be jumping on a log, so it's going to fall into the water. Um, so yeah, that, that just made me sing every time I saw it. That was amazing. Um, in terms of a, a, another negative, I suppose, um, and this is something that I think from seeing three anime films now, I kind of feel like is, is, is a cultural thing. And whilst 
you know, there would be some people saying, well, you know, it's a cultural thing, so I need to leave that to one side. I, I don't know. It's, it's something with flicks that I've always felt that it's you run into difficulties anytime you try and put your personal feelings to one side and you start second guessing things and you start thinking, well, this is this, this is this. So I'm going to leave that to one side. And is this a good film regardless of my personal feelings? I feel kind of feel like all you can do when looking at films and when reviewing films is to say, well, I felt this. And at, and like I say, I watched the Japanese version with English subtitles. So that's going to affect my viewing of the film. Um, I watched the film where it started at half ten. That's going to affect my um, watching of the film. It's not the film's, you know, fault in any way, shape or form. It's not the film's fault that the cinerama was pretty warm and it was pretty late and I was kind of having to fight myself, slapping myself in the face. Like, come on, Dan, don't fall asleep, mate. She's about to get her boobs out. Um, lots of boobs, as you well know. Lots of boobs in this film. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of nuts. Um, no need as well. They're robots. They don't need nipples. There's no... Uh, uh, Japanese, eh? They bloody love them. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the filming, in terms of the story structure, and as you know, I'm a geek for stories, um, but like Akira... A huge amount of the plot of this film is is explained in the last like five ten minutes, and I'm I suppose so kind of conditioned by Western cinema to expect right so that uh, there's going to be a big dump of exposition um, at the beginning. There's going to be a big dump of exposition probably somewhere be uh, between the transition between Act One and Act Two. There's going to be a, uh, some kind of twist in there, and then there's going to be a big dump of exposition at the beginning of Act Three or just at the end of Act Two, which. Right, so we're going to get all this story, and then that's going to lead us into the final, you know, based on the information that we now have, we're going to go into this fight, or we're going to go into this conversation, or we need to, I know now that we need to do this based on the information that I know. Whereas this is like, right, here's the whole film, and then at the end, hey, this is what it was about. This is this whole talky bit at the end, and then and then pretty much the film's over. And I've, I've found that difficult because, as I say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm conditioned to to expect western type stories with western type um story structures and so when something jars with that it's uh, i don't know i'm not I, I i try to be as open-minded as i can with story structure i know that i'm not always that way um but with this it yeah i, I felt it difficult it, it bothered me that you get all of this story right at the end like you're kind of guessing for a lot of it and then you get the story right at the end and then the film's over it just felt feels i think a little lazy for me like oh but then it's it's like a garth Marenghi episode where there's all of this action and then they realize right at the end oh shit there's all this plot that we need to get through so let's just have two people talk about it bah, 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 credits and then you're done um the Marenghi episode i was talking about in fact was uh where this is kind of parodied is uh the apes of wrath where they all turn into monkeys anyway um so yeah, so the structure kind of bothered me a little bit. And um, possibly, again, another um, cultural thing. But I have to mention it. I have to mention it. Is um, There's this weird section that happens kind of, I don't know, it's either halfway through the film or about three quarters of the way through the film, where nothing happens for a bit. And it, just, and it's, it has that kind of famous iconic ghost in the shell kind of screamy choral music um, which is very atmospheric um and it's just over these kind of fairly static shots of this city 
of Newport, whatever it is. Um, and I just found that really weird. That I, I watched a, a nerd writer video on them, and if you don't follow nerd writer on YouTube, absolutely follow him because he's very interesting little kind of videos uh, every week. Uh, and one of them was about Ghost in the Shell, so I watched it, and he tried to explain it in terms of it's like a kind of as I say, it's a cultural thing. It's it's a difference between a comic book and a, a manga, um, whereby it's you know a lot of what manga is 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 trying to evoke a feeling and trying to evoke um, a relationship between spaces as opposed to a relationship between actions. And so this just kind of centers you, I suppose, and 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 you know allows the rest of the story to take place. But I just didn't get that at all, um, and it bored me because it goes on for about three minutes. Just no dialogue, nothing happening, just just the city. And that kind of bothered me. Um, it, yeah, it did. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, possibly factoring in by the point, at this point, it was like quarter to midnight. And I was like, fucking hell, guys, let's just get on with this story. Who's this ghost puppet master? Um, so, yeah, so that bothered me as well. Um which gives Ghost in the Shell 1995 a 2 out of 5, which I think is fair enough, because that's like, it's okay, it's it's fine, it's a fine film. There are definitely positives to it, um, but yeah, it's just, ultimately, it's, it's fine. It's, yeah, okay, sure. Um, the, the, the pacing, I, I was quite bored with it at points. I found it quite difficult to, to keep track of the story, and by, you know, before recording this, I had a little look at the Wikipedia page, and there's a lot of story stuff in there that I didn't pick up on, possibly because I was having to read it, and, you know, stuff didn't go in as quickly as I, it would have done if I was just listening to the dialogue, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think a two out of five is fairly fair for what I, what I thought about the film. Um... Yeah, a little bit disappointing. I mean, in terms of the, the anime trifecta, it's uh, not as good as Akira, which had a little bit more story, a little bit more energy, but chutzpah to it, um, but better than Spirited Away, which um, I didn't enjoy at all. Um, so let's move on to Scarlet Johansson. and let's get a bit more westernized. Let's get a bit more um, uh, simple. Let's just simplify it. Let's just have some English-speaking... Pe- voices telling us what's going on let's hollywood it let's just see what that same story would be in real life and with about with four times the budget let's see how that works out um turns out not too bad at all um the the setting i thought was uh amazing the 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 city that it created with those kind of giant um hologram advert things and all of the the the, the kind of the world that it set up um i mean i love i love it when when films or when tv shows or whatever try to imagine what the future is going to be like and they create a, a very kind of vivid um picture of it um and i think this did that very very well you really felt what kind of what kind of city this was that she lived in and therefore by extension what kind of world um yeah, I just thought it looked incredible. Um, the, I mean, the special effects all the way through this were pretty much, you know, perfection. You don't see any seams. There's no bits that you're like, ah, oh, that was a little bit wobbly. This was all just top, top level stuff, which was great. Um, some of the imagery, and I I felt bad saying that some of the imagery in this was, was a good point because 
having seen the original, I know that a lot of it they just kind of cribbed outright. Um, in terms of her whole creation at the beginning, which was just gorgeous, and with that had the music, and that was like when that started. And I'm in the cinema, and I'm like, "Fucking hell, this is going to be great! This is just, uh, yeah." Of her kind of going through that kind of bath of milk, whatever it is, and then all of it kind of flaking off, and she's got her skin, and um, I felt a little bit pervy. Sure, I felt a little bit pervy because she's pretty much naked throughout the whole film, but. Um, yeah, yeah, I, uh, some of the imagery that was used in that. But then some of the imagery was new, like her, the bit that was used in a lot of the trailers of her, her jumping through the window with the guns and the kind of assassination thing with the robot geisha spider lady things. Um, that was amazing. That looked really, really cool. And there are a few other bits as well. I just thought visually, um, this was d directed, I think, by the same guy who did Snow White and the Huntsman, which makes sense because that had a lot of really nice visual touches to it as well. Um, yeah, so I thought that the imagery that they used in this was was really, um, really powerful, really interesting, and really beautiful. Really, really, very, very gorgeous. Um, in terms of a negative, the ideas that were kind of explored in it, I think probably based. I, I read the Empire review um, of the twenty seventeen one, and it said that a lot of the ideas is something that I agree with. A lot of the ideas seem. Uh, slightly cliched at this point which is suffering by its own hand because the 1995 the anime inspired so many other films that have since come so when we're revisiting the same things that the anime did these now feel like this is copied from the matrix or copied from robocop or copied from you know wherever it might be um but the reality is that the the anime had the ideas first so um i felt like it didn't really um yeah at the time i felt like it didn't like I, I kind of knew where it was going, and I, I kind of felt like it didn't do anything particularly interesting with the ideas that it was trying to um, go through in terms of you know this is you know what makes a human, what makes a um. So yeah, I thought it was a little bit cliched at points. Now, the last two is one positive and one negative, and they're kind of the same thing. Um, the negative, I would say, is having the central character be a robot makes it difficult to really get on really kind of empathize with the character too much or really get involved emotionally because if it's it's the the old adage for for any kind of drama if the person that you're watching going through these events doesn't seem like they care about them then why do i care about them um if the you know if the, the person in a horror film isn't scared, then it, immediately it's it's far less scary. It's it's the... I always come back to it because it did it so well, but Whiplash, you give a shit... You're terrified of J.K. Simmons because everybody else is terrified of J.K. Simmons. They give him that status by how they react to him. That's all it is, and it does it so well. And this, it's like when things are happening and she's kind of, you know, she's a robot, so she's right down the middle. Um, and, and not particularly, um, yeah, emotive, just makes it, I mean, that's a difficult character to really engage with. You get away with it in an anime, I think. You get away with it as a cartoon because cartoons are cartoons, and so it's harder to empathise with the character anyway. Um, so there's a less of an expectation, I suppose. But with a film, when you're seeing facial expressions, you're seeing real kind of, you know, the little kind of 
tweaks and and whatnot that that happen in a human being's face when they're feeling emotions. You you want you want to want to see something like this. Um, yeah, it does make the, the story in general harder to to really get behind. Having said that, the positive is I do think Scarlett Johansson was very very. Good. Um, I thought she she played that kind of ro- robot very well. Um, she she kind of kept it solid all the way through, uh, especially towards the end, when obviously it all comes out like you know she's she's this woman's daughter and blah blah blah. Um, you, you kind of start to feel that emotion coming through a little bit, but it's still very subtle because obviously she's still a robot. Um, so I thought she did a really good job, which I think um, is probably the best time. Uh, at all to to get on with talking about the the big controversy of this film the whitewashing now at the time before i'd seen the film i thought yeah i mean we did a whole uh flicks on it uh about all these characters that were a certain race and then they were all transferred to being white um and I think the point that I made at the time, or the, the conclusion that I came to at the time, and it's the conclusion that I stick with, is I've got no problem with, uh, you know, a Japanese character or an African character or a, a kind of Indian character or whatever it might be um, being played, or be, being transferred within the storytelling adaptation process into a Caucasian character. I've got no problem with that. If you want to rewrite it to be this person lives here or this person lives here or whatever it might be. No problem, as long as their, you know, their race isn't an integral part of the story, fill your boots, go nuts. The issue is when it only happens that way, when there's there's very few Caucasian characters that then get changed uh, into to being um, people of colour, as is the, the um, agreed term these days. That's when it, it gets to be a problem, because you think like, well, that's why everyone's kicking off, because it only happens one way. There's, I don't think there's, I don't get this i don't like this idea that anytime there's a character who is like for this anytime there's a japanese character that has to be played by a japanese actor or actress or that has to be played by because there, there was even a lot of controversy with memoirs of a geisha when it was a japanese character and it was a chinese actress and they're like well oh, you know that's you know they're not all the same over there blah, 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 blah. but i feel like well that's part of i don't know that's part of what acting is, isn't it? It's pretending to be a different thing or pretending to... Da, 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 da. The, uh, the only... I understand why people get annoyed with it. I don't think it should be a hard and fast rule, but the, the issue is when it's so weighted towards Caucasian actors. That's where it gets a little bit weird. Um, with this film, however, now having seen it, I think it was a lot of fuss about nothing. Um, and having seen the uh, 1995 version as well, because the 1995 version um, is is speaks Japanese, lives in Japan, but visually has these gigantic blue eyes. That's what the character has: the gigantic blue eyes. And they could have drawn with with smaller Asian eyes. Absolutely could have drawn her with that, but they didn't. They drew her with gigantic blue eyes. Now, what's the logic in the universe? Now, I know that there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of kind of fascination, I suppose, in the East for for kind of Western faces and Western looks. Um, I know uh, Tiffany B when she uh, went traveling around uh, Asia, there was you know she's blonde, so there's a lot of you know a lot of people like oh can you know can I take a picture of your hair? Can I touch your hair? Whatever it might be. Um, 
And I don't think that it's outside of the realms of possibility in any way, shape or form for a Japanese company to make a robot in the future and give it a Caucasian face because there's a lot of interest in that. I don't, you know, uh, dispute that whatsoever. And with this film, obviously saying, right, so this character is Japanese. She is a Japanese character, but they took her brain and they put it into a Caucasian robot. I think that's absolutely 100% plausible. Um, because like I say, the the robot in Ghost in the Shell 1995, that's a Caucasian robot. That's a Caucasian robot. There are characters in that film that look Asian. And there are characters in that film that do not look Asian. And Major is not one of those characters. So when they say, oh, how dare Scarlett Johansson, blah, 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 she looks like Scarlett Johansson. Maybe with a slightly bigger nose. I don't know. Slightly more angular Roman nose. Um but I just think, yeah, all of these people griping about it. I mean, again, I understand on some level because it is, you know, it is an issue. It is a systemic issue. But I think there's millions. Why is nobody getting annoyed with Juliet Binoche being cast uh, and, you know, that not being a Japanese character? Why are they not getting annoyed at any of the other characters that were portrayed by by Caucasian people and not being portrayed by Asian people? Major is in some ways the, the least her and Batu, you know, arguably shouldn't have been played by by Asian by Asian actors because they're not the, the characters don't look Asian. Um so yeah, I I think they did it really, really well. I thought it was handled really, really nicely. Um and yeah, it kind of celebrated the 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 kind of I mean celebrated is maybe a bit too much, but ultimately I feel like it, it did a really nice job in making sure you knew like that this is a japanese character more than the fucking uh cartoon did more than the anime did this says this is a japanese character and the fact that it's portrayed by a caucasian aside from the you know the hollywood blah blah blah, blah you know asian asian actors not getting enough roles etc aside from that um it, it kind of there's no issue with it, no issue with it whatsoever, because they explain it all so well. Um, so that's my take on it. Good lord, that's my take on it. And ultimately, as I say, I maybe it's because of all of the other kind of things of me having to read it all, it being quite late, it's in Japanese, blah blah blah. Maybe I'm just stupid and I don't know. I like a, a simple version of something, but yeah, I I preferred I preferred this year's one. I preferred the the live action remake. Um, and I'm pleased to see, I mean, you know, this doesn't mean anything really, but um, I'm pleased to see that the, uh, yeah, on a budget of 110 million, at least it's made more than that. It's made 168.6 million so far. Um, and that is from the 10th of May. So that's only, yeah, a few days ago. So it's, it's, it's made more than it cost. Although then, you, you know, you factor in marketing costs and all of that and, these days, people kind of expect a huge amount. Like, I remember people being annoyed with Superman Returns when it made, like, $245 million on a, you know, $100 million budget. And you think, well, why? Come on, just fucking, you know, you got more than you put in. Just shut up. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's me. That's me. Um, the the live-action remake, better, I think, um, than the original 1995 anime 
sue me. Um, but yeah, great, uh, great music in both of them, great imagery in both of them. And uh, yeah, they present some interesting ideas. If a little bit cliched, Lee feels a little bit cliched now, but um, yeah. So that's me. Um, have you seen them? Have you seen... Well, obviously you have seen them because you've listened to this point. But what, what's your take? Which do you think is better? Why do you think it's better? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Please get in touch. Um, DanielSwan.squarespace.com uh, uh, Facebook.com forward slash the Daniel Swan, uh, Twitter and Instagram at Palugin, P-A-L-O-O-G-I-N um, or even just uh, send me an email, DanielSwan41 at gmail.com um, so for listening to this for listening to hopefully all of these uh, anime um, uh, flicks and for listening to the next flicks uh, that we'll be getting up uh, next week that I think we've already recorded or we're going to be recording that I don't know It's yeah it's going to be good though whatever it is um, yeah thank you for listening I have only one thing to say um, for your continued listenership you sexy bitch cheers cheers <laughs>